Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Hallelujah. Good. It is indeed a... Uh... An honor and a pleasure to be to be here in uh, Cape Town, uh, uh, seeing the work that uh, you people are doing under the leadership that you have. Um, I know the leadership uh, very well. The team of uh, the the pastor, the team of pastors, headed by Pastor Shane and uh, Marna, and. Uh, it's very encouraging to see what they are doing here in, uh, in, 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 uh, in Cape Town. And I'm really, really, really blessed to see the, the growth of the work here. And um, I have a few things to share with you concerning your leadership here in... Uh, <laughs> your leadership here in Cape Town. We have heard that uh, Jesus was about 33 years, and we know Jesus was only six months different with uh, the um, uh, prophet John the Baptist. And we know Jesus had other people like his brothers, James, who later on goes on to write the epistle of James. So James must have been less uh, uh, younger than, um, than 33. We know of the apostle Jeremiah, he was a young man. And we know for sure that uh, Timothy was a very young man. And uh, the calling of God does not go by age. Jesus himself was 33 years and the Pharisees, the Sadducees and the scribes were in their 50s, 60s and ages like that. And these were people who are schooled in the, in vain interpretation of scriptures which was fruitless. But we thank God for the leadership that God has appointed here in Cape Town in Grace Life. Don't look for your own pastor. Stay with the pastor the, the Lord has given to you. If you are going to be running around all over the show when your pastor begins to give you some hard things to swallow, then you will never grow spiritually. Each time you are offended by the leadership, each time you are offended, it's an opportunity for you to grow up. If you run away with it, you never grow in that area. And you remain in that area. So, Pastor Shane, Pastor Aiton, Pastor Pitt in Stellenbosch, Pastor Chad in, uh, in um, Picketback, got Pastor in Selorispark, uh, the, the lady, Emily. I have a word for you, and it will do good that you take it to heart. And in the next uh, coming months, be meditating on it, in wa on whatever you are doing. So I'll read from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 to 13. It says, let no man despise thy youth. This is not being written. This is, this is, I wish all you guys could put your plaques in your ears because it's not yours. It's for the pastors. He didn't say to the he didn't say to the congregation, "Don't despise the pastors, the, the, the pastors' youth." It's to the pastors. He's saying, "Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation. Conversation is conduct. In charity, in charity is selfless love. In spirit, in faith, and in purity." Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. He's talking about study of the word, encouragement, encouragement. And the doctrine there, it's a word that's a special word. It, it means the correct explanation and interpretation of scripture. That's the word the doctrine. is the word the didache in, 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 uh, in Greek. Praise the Lord. So it is up to you as leadership to let no one despise you. Through the things that he has said there. 
conversation, charity, spirit, faith. Faith there is faithfulness. Okay? And purity. And then it goes on to the study of the word, the exhortation and the correct explanation of the word. Still with the pastors. Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 to 4. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. That means as a pastor, you preach as the Lord gives you revelation. Because you've got, an, you've got a responsibility. The Lord knows his people that he has given to you. And he knows what is happening with the people. And he knows what they need. And he gives you to shepherd them. He gives you to feed them. And you have to feed the flock of God that it may grow. People deal with so many things, especially in these days of adversity. And it's up to the pastor to lift up your congregation to a place they can grow that they may not be feeble as they, are, as they go about in their business, as they go about in ministry. Hallelujah. It says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. There is long suffering for the pastor. Long suffering means don't lose it. Don't lose your temper. Don't lose your cool. Why? Because there is every temptation to lose your cool with these people. There's more than enough opportunity to lose your cool, but don't lose your cool. These are people given to you and you're working by the power of the spirit and you are well able to lead them. You are well able to, to, to strengthen them in all that is happening in and around them. Then it says in verse 3, for the time will come and the time is now. When, they, when some will not endure sound doctrine. Listen, now that's a bit on your side. You have to endure sound doctrine. Endurance means something is hard. It's a hard training. It's hard to take. You are pounding, you are puffing. You can, it's hard, but sit there and endure it. If you endure it, it will, it will, it will do good for you. It will strengthen your marriage. It will strengthen you as a, as a man, as a woman. It will help you get forward in times of adversity. Praise the Lord. Because as pastors, we are faithful to the Lord. Amen. And we don't own you. We are given charge over you by the Lord himself. Hallelujah. So he says, uh, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap themselves teachers having itching ears. Don't go looking for pastors. Don't go looking for pastors. Sit down, endure the word. If there's something you don't understand, sit down. By no means, don't, don't go with questions unanswered. We as pastors, whatever we teach, we must be questioned. We must be asked. Pastor, you say the ABC, I don't understand. How about that? How about that? Of course, you ask with honor. There's a person who is asking to know. There's a person who is asking because they think they know. Those are two different issues. We see Mary when she's wanting to find out exactly how she's going to get pregnant. She asks in a different way. In a different way. And we know, we see, uh, what's his name? Is it Zachariah? Uh, uh, Zachariah. He asks some bit of pride, with some bit of, and for a season, God shuts his mouth a little bit. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, <laughs> so, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Don't be tempted to turn away from the truth. And there's a pastor, don't be tempted to preach what people want to hear. Preach what the father wants them to hear. Praise the Lord. The congregation does not determine the message. The message determines the congregation. We don't want leadership like... Uh, Spineless leadership of Aaron. When Moses, when the senior pastor has gone into the mountains with the, with the, to fast and uh, talk with God, and it seems like it's taking longer than usual or than what they expected, they tell Aaron what to do. Let's make our own God. And he says, okay, bring all your watches, your earrings, and they put them in the fire. 
and up comes a mountain calf. And they say, these are the gods that brought us out of Egypt. In as much as it sounds like, how can people do like that? In our time, we've got also idols, only they are not mountain calves. Sometimes they are a God that we've made in our own mind, who does not exist. He's not there. But there's a God you think you are serving. Eh? A God, people have imaginations of a God who does not exist. But it's up to the pulpit to give you a proper understanding of the God that exists. I've got a word for the congregation. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, let the elders that rule well, that word elder, it's pastor, okay? Pastor and elder, there's no difference in church. If you're an elder, if you're a leader here, you've got as much on your shoulders as the pastor. Are we together? Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they that labor in the word and doctrine. You know, in our English, that word especially, it means I'm talking about a group of people, but I'm particularly worried about this one, isn't it? That's not what it means there. The word there is malista in Greek. It means what the, the people I'm talking about are the, teach, the, the, the elders that labor in doctrine. It's not that he's talking about certain people among us. He says, I am, I am talking, I'm referring to those who labor in what? In doctrine. Praise the Lord. Good. Put your hands together for the word for the pastors and the word for the church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's have uh, what the Lord has for me to deliver to you today. And just to, I'm really holding myself in so that I don't get too excited. I, I get easily excited because I'm very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen. I could get so excited you could be here by, until five o'clock. <laughs> and I'll be feeling fresh. <laughs> because I don't work from the flesh. I work from, hallelujah. Hallelujah. My brother at the back, uh, were, were we together on the, on the meeting? May you please stand up? No, 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 no the, one, the one at the back, right at the back. That, that, that one. <laughs> there, were some, there were some good things coming. You could have gone for it. I don't know. <laughs> come, come over, sir. Come, come over to the front, sir. Yes, yes, sir. This is a good man. I've already started preaching, so pay attention. Thank you, sir. You helped me preach today. <laughs> now, what happened at the, where we met at the, at the men's meeting? What, what did I say to you? If you forget that. Many, many things. Many things. But there's something I said between you and me. I made a commitment to you. There's something I mentioned. 20 US dollars. What, what about 20 US dollars? <laughs> Perfectly. I promised him I was going to give him 20 US dollars. So you find it today. He is not the one looking for me because he is not the one who promised. His part is to receive. He does not do anything. He does not have to pray for it. He does not even have to, to say thank you for it. It's up to the one who promised if he's got integrity, if he's faithful to his word, to perform his word. But you see, he, he could, he's got two choices. He can, be expect, he can believe and be expectant. He was half expectant because he almost forgot. <laughs> so he's got two choices. Either he believes and is expectant. Or he doubts and he says, go to hell. I die. Where can you get $20? I know Zimbabwe, there's no money. <laughs> now we start preaching. That's part of the preaching. That's part of the preaching. You see, our mission is not only to announce the gospel to the world, 
but also it includes correctly interpreting and explaining God in places where he has been misinterpreted, in places where he has been misexplained, if that is English. You forgot me, I've got some other English words that I, 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 I throw out which are not found in the Bible. But make no mistake, you, you understand what I'm saying. Hallelujah. So we have heard about Old Covenant and we've heard about New, Test New Covenant or Old Covenant and New Covenant, Old Testament and New Testament from the Bible. And generally we tend to think that God gave an Old Testament then changed his mind and softened up a little bit and gave something that is easier and uh, uh, more gentle, which is called the new covenant. Let me just ask somebody, what is older, the new, the new Testament or the Old Testament? What is older than the other? The New Testament. Now, I told you there's some anointing. Now you, you, you get it. <laughs> What is older, the New Testament or the Old, old Testament? It's, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? It's a no-brainer. So the Old Testament is older than the New Testament. It's supposed to be. But it, it refuses to be. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Let, we, we, we take that, keep that in mind. Hallelujah. So what is called, before we talk about new and old, what is called covenant? that we are found talking about old covenant and the new covenant. What is covenant? Most people, no wonder why they talk about, I don't know where they heard that, about the covenant of marriage. How many of you heard, heard about covenant of marriage? Which Bible do you read? <laughs> no wonder why you are mean in that marriage. There is no covenant of marriage. What is covenant of marriage? No wonder why you are putting pressure on, the, on, your, on your partner. You don't know God. Take it easy on each other. Don't put pressure on each other. Today, after you know what a covenant is, you're going to understand better. Amen. So the lady there tells us that a covenant is a promise. So each time you get to the Bible, where, is, where you see where it says covenant or testament, you must know it's a promise. Exactly the way it was with that gentleman. He did not ask for money. He did not, he did not pray for money. He was, not, he was not expecting me to give him money. But I found it in my heart to promise him money. That is two days ago. Two, three days ago. No? Two days. Friday. So the rest of Friday afternoon, there was a promise to be performed, but it was not performed. The whole of Saturday, there was a promise to him that was to be performed, that was not performed. And the promise is performed this morning. Do I still have a covenant with him? I've performed my covenant. I've performed my promise. I have fulfilled my promise. So there is no more covenant. Because covenant is a promise. Are we together? Good. So Moses, the original writer of the scriptures, does not use the, word, the term new covenant or old covenant or old uh, testament or new testament. He doesn't use those words throughout his writings. So what is a covenant? I'll be, I'll be repeating what a covenant is as we go. And I'll try and limit myself to, the script, to, to my notes so that I can cover more um, uh, ground. A covenant is an alliance where a stronger person or a richer person offers money to the other. Can you see? Voluntarily. So a covenant is an alliance where a stronger person bears the weaknesses of a weaker person and a weaker person is born on the strength of a stronger person and they be, they be in a partnership. It's a voluntary commitment by the stronger person. It's for mutual benefit. But as you are hearing, one part is only to receive, believe and receive, and the other part is to promise and perform. The word covenant must be explained and understood, praise the Lord, from the Hebrew scriptures. Hebrew scriptures are from Genesis to Malachi, and that's how we must understand the covenant. 
It's in understanding the, 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 the new covenant that we will be able to understand the new creation. So first we have to go to the beginning of the book to understand what a covenant is. The beginning of the book is what? Genesis. So we, we must understand what Abraham understood when God said, I'm making a covenant with you. So I'll go to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, get thee out of the country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and unto a land that I will show thee. That word land there is a parable. Are we together? The land is a parable. I will explain it. And you will see it that it's a parable. Okay? Verse 2. And I will make thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So a covenant, it's a, it's a working together for a common good. A partnership like God is, is, is telling Abraham, I'll make you a great nation, I'll make you a great nation, and many nations will be blessed through you. More like God called you to salvation by the gospel, and you were saved. And what is the next thing to do what after you're saved? To save. How do you save? By giving your money. <laughs> Hallelujah. You are saved. To take the message of salvation to the next person. That's, that, that was the call on Abraham's, on Abraham's, uh, on Abraham. He was saved. He was given the gospel to believe it. And he believed it. And the next thing he was supposed to do was take it out. Because Abraham was a prophet of God. A lot of people, they know Abraham for his money. Instead of for his calling, which was a prophet. And do you know how Abraham had his money? Do you know how Abraham made money? By selling his wife. Go and read in the Bible. He did not make money from tithing. <laughs> tithing came when he was already rich. It says Abraham was rich in chapter 13 and tithing came in chapter 14. First, you see, God is not... <laughs> Abraham makes his money. First, he sells his wife to a, to a king. It was the, the, the pharaoh there. And the wife was in the, in the, in the, in the bedchamber with, with the king. And Abraham was sleeping in the seven quarters. That's what happened. And each time in the morning, the king would give him a few coins and a few goats and stuff like that. And then he would, at his own time, take his wife to the bush. And the king saw them. Says, ah, what are you doing with your sister? That's how he was caught. That is his wife. You go and read the Bible. And then, then the king says, why did you, why didn't you tell me that it was your wife? And this is, this is not the next day after some days. And then he says, take your wife and go. And he's given loads of money. He leaves the place. He gets to another one, Abimelech, another king, Abimelech. He does the same thing. <laughs> but with Abimelech, Abimelech never got, got to have uh, um, uh, the wife. Because the Lord visited him in a dream and says, don't. But the first king did. That's how Abraham made his money. And the Bible does not comment much about Abraham's wealth. He talks about his calling. His calling, his blessing has got nothing to do with money as you are going to find out. Hallelujah. So that was just a sidetrack. Abraham was a prophet of God. Amen. Let's get to Genesis chapter 15 verse 18. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. Can you see? We see covenant. He made a what? Use another a clever word. He made a promise. Okay? He made a promise with Abraham, saying unto thy seed, if I given this land from the river of 
Egypt under the great river, the river of Euphrates. I said, land is what? Parable. Parable is not literal, isn't it? Amen. It, it's failure to understand about that land that people are fighting in the Middle East. Because they think that land in the Middle East is what was given to Abraham, but that was not it. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Genesis chapter 17, verse 7 to 8. And I will establish my covenant. Can you see? I will establish my what? I promise. Thank you. We are preaching together now. Between me and thee and thy seed after thee in thy generations for an everlasting covenant. It's a what? Everlasting? So something that is everlasting that he says. When God says I'm giving an everlasting covenant, does not say to give another one. It says to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I'll give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land therein. Thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. So whatever Abraham was going to get was so everlasting. It was not temporary. And I'll be their God. So it's an everlasting covenant. It's an unchangeable covenant. It's a covenant that would not be replaced with a different one. Are we together? Now you're wondering, these two covenants, as you always say, old covenant and new covenant. You're wondering where the other one comes from. That's why I'm here. Genesis chapter 17, verse 18 to 21. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, everlasting promise, and with his seed after him. Verse 20. And as for Ishmael, now listen. This is when you that the blessing of Abraham is not money. For and of all the money you want to have, but no, that's not the blessing of Abraham. Okay? It says, and as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him. So was Isaac blessed? Was Ishmael blessed? I have blessed uh, him and will make him fruitful. Fruitful. I don't want to be fruitful in business. Ishmael was fruitful in business. And will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget and I will make him a great nation. Can you see? But my covenant will I establish with Isaac. Ishmael would rich, would make all the money he wants to have, but that's not the blessing. And some people think that Ishmael was cursed. Most of the Arabs, the Arab, the Arab nations came from Ishmael. And are they poor? Far from it. But do you have the blessing? Do they have the blessing of Ar uh, 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 most, especially the, the, the um, uh, what can I say? Let me, let me just, let me just keep it there. It will come out as we go. Hallelujah. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it was not material wealth. It was not material blessing. Because even Ishmael, who was outside the covenant, was blessed with material wealth. We can even go to Esau. Jacob and Esau. Esau was blessed with material wealth. When Jacob ran away to Laban on his way back, he wanted to do a, a, a corruption with him because he knew he had cheated his brother. When he was coming back, he tried to send a few. Uh, uh, he, um, he tried. He tried to send some money to Ishmael. Ishmael said, "Keep your money. I'm rich." Do you remember that? Esau said, keep your money, I'm rich, I'm blessed here. Yet Esau is outside the blessing. Just like Ishmael is outside the blessing. But both Ishmael and Esau are blessed. And Cain, Cain is the first one to start building, high-rise building, double stories. Cain, who, who made that the one who was supposed to have a blessing? Abel. So Cain, Ishmael, Esau were blessed with money. So if you are looking for money, you don't need the blessing of Isaac. You don't need the blessing of Abraham for, to get money. Should you not get money? 
get money. But just know that's not the blessing. Yes? What is him? Are you going to hell? Because that's where he's going. You will not see Adam in heaven. The first person who had faith is Abel. And the Bible says, through faith, Abel. Because in the, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. So he's the first person to have faith. Faith in what? The promise. Is the same promise given to Adam and Eve. They rejected it. Okay? There in the book of Genesis is used, they use the tree metaf metaphorically or as a parable for the same promise. The same promise is given to Abel. Abel believes. Cain does not believe. The thing about Abel and Cain is not about salad and uh, tip on steak. It's not because he brought some vegetables and then God's vegan. <laughs> the thing was about the promise. Same thing with Esau. The thing that birthright is about the promise of sonship. The same with the Noah, the same promise. The same with Abraham, the same promise. Are we together? So it's the same with who? With Israel. Israel got the same promise. Hallelujah. But um, what I'm going to, I'm going to preach almost the same thing, but different, the same concept, but a different sermon with, uh, uh, tonight. So if you put what I'm preaching here and what I'm preaching tonight, then you, it will join nicely. So if you can come, let's have a date. Hallelujah. So let's go to Jeremiah now, because that's where we were going. Behold, the days when, when you get a new job, you say God is doing a new, job, a new thing in, in your life. It is you doing a new thing in your life, going to look for a job. That new job of yours is not God doing a new thing in your life. You looked for it, you applied for it. God did not apply for that job. So new covenant, new covenant, does not mean another covenant. In our present day English, we would understand that it's something else. But that new covenant that he's talking about there, in fact, let me re read the portion uh, and finish it. Verse 32 says, not according to the covenant that I made with, the, with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. So Israel broke the covenant. So if you hear me now, you think that it was a contract. So they broke their part of the uh, deal. So God could not do anything. But that's not it. A covenant is a promise. They refused to accept the promise. The same, the, unlike that man, he did not refuse to accept the promise. He received the promise. So it means he kept the promise. But Abraham did not keep the, uh, rather Israel did not keep the promise. They refused to believe God. So when now the prophet comes, you see all these prophets, they are preaching from the Bible. A prophet is first a teacher of the word before he can start seeing visions. If you see a prophet who is seeing visions and he cannot teach the word of revelation of God, he's a diviner. Don't go after him. All the prophets, Isaiah, Daniel, Jeremiah, Nehemiah, Ezra, all the prophets, they were teaching and expounding from the written word that was between Genesis to Deuteronomy. All of them. No, I never went to, in the mountain to sleep so that God would speak to him about something. They first had to read. And their, their visions were coming from what they were reading. Are we together? So, so when I, Jeremiah says, uh, God says, I will do a new covenant. He is not saying there's a new thing that is coming. He is saying, I am saying my same and only covenant again for the benefit of you hearing it again. I am saying the covenant is still fresh and available today, irrespective of the rebellion and the rejection of Israel in the wilderness. So new covenant is not another thing. 
New covenant is not another promise. He's, he's restating the same promise. He is saying it's still available. Although those people from Egypt refused to believe, refused to keep it, they break it. What, what does that mean? They did not accept it. They refused. But he stands up through the prophet Jeremiah. He says it's still available. And he says, I'll write an intellectual message. So now, when he says, I'll write my law on their heart, don't think that they are talking about the law of Moses. There are two laws. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the law of sin and death. Jeremiah is saying the, the promise of God was always the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So God is saying through Jeremiah that my covenant that I made to how could I revoke my covenant of love that I promised David? Can you see God says I do not revoke my covenant. You know, if you are not studying the, the, what you call the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi correctly, you will never really get to know the faithfulness and the love of God. That is where you find the love of God. The people, God says, don't have a king. The people says, no, we'll have a king. He is unable to lose his school. He does not lose his school. When it says long suffering, it doesn't mean you long suffer, long suffer, long suffer. Then he get, he's getting worked up. He's going... Then all of a sudden he loses it. He gives you a clap. Long suffering means he bears all things. He does not lose his cool. Amen. So when we are talking about long suffering in our families among us each other, it means we don't lose we, we don't lose our cool at all. When you understand the things that teach you. You become a super, super wife, super, super husband. <laughs> it's your knowledge of God that will work in your marriage. It's the God you know that you see in that marriage. Praise the Lord. Verse, um, I'm sick. For I have given him my word, my holy, irrevocable word. Sons of David will continue to in on his throne, and their kingdom will endure as long as the sun is in the sky. Can you see the covenant of God? How many of you have seen the sun fall out of the sky? This covenant will be an unbreakable promise. So, can you see that? An unbreakable promise that I have established for all time, all time means forever. This is not because you prayed. This is not because you fasted. This has got nothing to do with your tithing. This is according to the integrity and the faithfulness of God. A lot of you have messed up here and then you think now God is angry. Uh-uh. You have messed up, go and correct it and things will be okay for you, but God is not angry. He says this covenant will be an unbreakable promise that I have established for all time. So this is Israel. They failed, but God did not fail. Even in their failure, rejection, and rebellion, God still comes through a prophet and says, my covenant still exists. It's still fresh and available to you. So a covenant is not an agreement. It's not a contract. In their day, the word covenant there, it's like when, when two people come together, when a stronger part came into an alliance with a weaker part, in those days, before God made a covenant with Abraham, deities did not make, or God did not make, or did not come into covenant with men. Covenants were between what? Men and men. So this was rather strange to Abraham. God saying, I will be with you and walk with you. Not that I have a problem. No, I am... God Almighty, that's what God says to Abraham. I'm God Almighty, which Almighty means I am sufficient. Shadda means I'm a strong land. Hallelujah. It means I'm self-sufficient. So if God says to you, I am Almighty, it means he does not have a problem that he needs you to fix for him. He does not need you 
He's saying, I don't need your power. I don't need your resources. I need you to believe I will be the one performing everything. So covenant, therefore, will have to do with God's purpose in the earth and us being found in it. The church today should learn to distinguish between our calling, which is by the Spirit, from our vocation, which is by our natural talents and training. Paul was called to ministry, like all of us, and yet we see that his vocation was tent making. In fact, that tent making is, is a contractor building. Okay? We never hear Paul invoking the Holy Spirit for his tent making business. <laughs> yet the business was providing for him and his colleagues in ministry. Amen. I heard you, Pastor, talk about uh, you, got a, you got something to do with the business. Just watch it. Don't, don't, don't cross the line. Don't cross the line. If you can do it without the spirit, it's not your call. Our vocation, our vocation, you must learn to separate your vocation from ministry. Yes, we can have different jobs there. But when we come to ministry, it's the ministry of the Lord by the spirit, not by your talent. Praise the Lord. Some people after they've made uh, good monies, and it's good to make good monies. We call them to ministry, they don't want to come. They say, I am called to finance the gospel. So you sleep in your comfortable house. I have to go door to door preaching the gospel. You say, when you are tired, I buy a hamburger. Is there anybody called to, 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 to supply, to, to, to finance the gospel? Anybody with that call here? If you are sent up, I'll, I'll, get, rid, I'll get rid of that demon. <laughs> when Jesus is sending the disciples on ministry, he says, leave your purse. Leave your bag, don't carry bag. Don't we want money? We want money. Brother, we want money. If you, if you, if you are doing nothing well in business, bring money here, Baba. Will you make use of it? But that's not your call. We are all called to ministry because God has got a purpose on earth. You can have all the money not fulfill that, that purpose. Praise the Lord. So don't mix vocation and calling. Don't mix vocation and ministry. Paul did not mix them. Hallelujah. We want to keep our eyes on the ball. We want to keep our eyes on the ball. We see with what is happening in the world. You know what is happening in the world? This COVID. People are dying. The enemy is coming in like a flood. And what, what happens when the enemy comes in like a flood? The spirit raises the standard. How does the spirit raise the standard? You are the spirit. The spirit of God does not work outside men. So we must double up in the ministry. There are people today, we are no longer with them. Because of COVID, if it was not for COVID, maybe we are going to reach them next year. But because of COVID, they are gone. They've perished because we could not reach them. The enemy is coming in too fast. But ladies and gentlemen, the word of God is not locked down. You can have all the levels of lockdown. The word of God is not locked down. We can rise with the word and deal and show to the world what the power of God can do. Praise the Lord. The word of God, when he speaks it, it is, it is not void of power to perform. He does not speak, then sends his spirit to perform. No, the word of God is full of performance by itself. It becomes what it says. What the word of God is waiting for is a believing heart to be fulfilled. We must be careful. These people, they are speaking. We are bearers of good news. These people, all the news you hear these days, all the news is about them. But you are not bearer of such news. Try and counter that kind of fear. With the good news, the good news is true and it's true for good. So we can't be playing games when people are perishing. We are called. Now, this is what happened with Israel. Israel was called to believe the gospel and take the gospel to the whole nations. They did not believe and they did not take the gospel. Hey, come, give us testimonies. Ah, I'm so blessed. Ah, I'm so blessed. 
I am so blessed today. I want to thank God for life and uh, my car and my house. And you see, that's, that's the pride of Israel. That's exactly what Israel did. Instead of taking the message, they started, they were enjoying the comfort. They are soaking in the love of God. We are all called to ministry. We are all called to ministry. If you are not doing any kind of ministry, you are in disobedience. Jesus says, go ye into all the world. Are we together? Some, uh, uh, open uh, open uh, Mark 16, verse 15. Come, uh, pastor. Pastor? Pastor, pastor, yes. Pastor, Etienne. Come here, man of God, please. You, you open Mark 16, verse 15. And pastor, you come here with me. Let's preach together. Read from, uh, read from New Living Translation. Mark 16, verse 15. He told them, who? The disciples, these. Let's say these are the disciples. Yes? Carry on. He's talking to the 12 disciples, going to all the world. The 12 disciples. Uh-huh. Carry on. Uh, so the disciples, the 12 disciples were to preach the good news to everyone. Carry on. Anyone who believes and is baptized. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Anyone who believes. Is he still talking about this one? Pull this one, pull this one. Now, the disciples are no longer in the picture. <laughs> These are they that believe. What shall they do? Okay, they will be saved first. You are saved, isn't it? This one is baptized, saved. Carry on. Those are not here. Carry on. <laughs> These miracles, we are talking about ministry now. We are coming these or this. So we are coming these and this. Nobody is called to sit, to, to, to warm sit. Nobody is called to choir. It's nice to sing, Anna. Beautiful voice. But Anna only sings to lead us to sing. Everybody must be singing to the Lord. Make melody in your heart for the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm getting excited again. Now you can, you can, you can sit down. Let me, let me cool it. Amen. So the disciples are gone. The ones that believe are these. So you're all called to ministry. Say you're called to ministry. Amen. Amen. And it's a glorious job. It's an honor. It's the kind of, it's the kind of work that will keep you young. Is it, mom, you start preaching the gospel now, see the energy you get. See the joy that you get. See the peace that you get. Preaching the gospel, ministry will preserve you. We don't retire with the gospel. If you hear men of God saying he's retiring, they are crazy. <laughs> How do you retire from this? How do you retire from saving life? Me, I, me, I will, me, I, will, I, 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 I wish I, I want to preach the gospel in my grave. <laughs> so, I want to make sure that there's a special tomb and I'll have solar, there's solar now, and I'll put a, a CD that keeps on replaying. <laughs> I'll be in the grave. My voice, this voice, it on the CD and the sun, it will be replaying there, replaying. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm inside here, yeah? but believe. So when you come, don't bring flowers. Come to check, maintain the, the, the city player. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If, if you have an opportunity to do my, my funeral, make sure that on the, on, the, on, the, on the casket there is a CD that is playing my voice gospel. Because this message is real. Everything you are doing is only for a season. 
a time will come where the only satisfaction comes from things that have got eternal value. And do you know that in heaven, we are, a lot of people think that in heaven, we'll all be the same. We'll be the same. We'll be in heaven. But do you know that there are rewards? When we, talk, we start talking about rewards, we are not talking about salvation. When they say they suffered loss, you know, suffering loss, it means you had something and you wasted it. You had time and you wasted. You realize how much time you wasted watching hockey, watching football, watching Chelsea getting beat. I think I, I hear Chelsea is the waste team. I don't know about football. <laughs> <laughs> but I hear it's the waste team. Is, it, is that your team? <laughs> <laughs> you come from watching, uh, the, they come from the pitch. They're watching Chelsea, they're watching Liverpool. They go home, they watch the same game. Imagine where you're passionate. The same game. A friend will come tomorrow and say, ah, let's watch again. Yeah, he, he, look at what happened to my team. They massacred it. There is the gospel for you to preach. It does not disappoint. Keeps you rejuvenated. Let me go, let me go on the double up now. I want to, I'm going towards lending. So covenant is, is to do with God. God's purpose on the earth and our place in it. It's a term for ministry. It's work together. It's working together for God's purpose, which is for our own good. That's how it was for Abraham. That's how it was for Israel. Israel broke it. There's a promise, you believe it. And when you believe it, you take it to others. So covenant is a call to ministry. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, in NIV version. For we are co-workers in God's service. Can you see? We are working together with God. What does that mean? The promise was for the spirit. You received the spirit. The spirit is in you. Now you are going about with God. As you are preaching the word, the spirit of God is convincing. It's starting at the heart of the person so that they believe. So covenant is a partnership offered by God to men to carry out God's purpose, plan, and plan on earth. It's a call to ministry. It's a call to service. It's a union to produce fruit. A covenant is where God's purpose is worked out through us. The reason why Jesus cursed that fig tree, fig tree is a picture of the fruitless, faithless Israel. That's why he cursed that fig tree that had, not, that had no fruit. That was Israel who had failed at the, at, the, at the mission. Praise the Lord. So it's a call to ministry, a call to Abraham to take the message of faith that he has believed to all nations, that all nations may be blessed the same way Abraham was blessed. Just like you are saved today by the gospel, then God sends you to all the world with the same gospel message that the world may be saved through your preaching. That's the call to Abel, call to Abraham, call to Noah, call to Israel, call to you today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says, Who also have made us able ministers of the new, new what? New covenant, new testament, new what? New promise. Uh -huh. It doesn't sound, when you say new promise, it doesn't work. So new covenant will be promise, not new promise. Not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. So what does it mean? So I, how many of you are under the new, are under the new covenant? Who do you end up like this? Massive courage, boldness. You are under a new covenant. How are you under the new covenant? How? You live by faith. So you are under a new, pro, you are under a promise. What is the promise that God has with you? The spirit. Have you not received the spirit? So is it still a promise? There you are. <laughs> you see, you are not under any covenant. Let me rush it. Yo! Oh, but we didn't get it. We didn't get it. We didn't get it. 
Hallelujah. So when Jeremiah said that they break the covenant, he means that they did not carry out God's purpose and plan. It's very important to know that in God's covenant or in the new covenant, it is not our own plans and desires and aims that are made. It's his own purpose and plans that are established, yet it's still for our benefit. So the concept of a covenant is a union to produce fruit. That's why Jeremiah uses the word husband there. New covenant is not God giving another covenant and changing his covenant. New covenant is God's faithfulness to his one and only covenant in Genesis and for everlasting. It's him renewing that same covenant. God does not change. New covenant is God sticking with his word despite people's unfaithfulness, despite people's rejection. It's a restoration of the same covenant from the beginning, yet Israel rejected it. So Jeremiah as a prophet he has not found anything new. His is a new voice, just a new voice saying the same, very same covenant from Genesis. He is not introducing another covenant. He is restating the same covenant. I'm going to explain what old covenant is through this, this explanation. So, New covenant or New Testament is God renewing his covenant that he gave in Genesis in spite of people's unbelief, rejection, and rebellion. It's God repeating his covenant and keeping it fresh throughout the scriptures. Covenant is a voluntary self-binding pledge you make to benefit someone else. It's not a contract. It's not an agreement as in our modern understanding. Jeremiah is referring to a covenant God made to Abraham in Genesis and to Israel in Deuteronomy. So Jeremiah in Jeremiah 31, 31, he is reading from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. That's why he's reading. He is not just seeing visions about that. He is renewing the promise for a new creation. And Moses, when he's writing in Deuteronomy, he is referring to the promise in, in Genesis. The new covenant is faith in God's promise. The old covenant is rejection against God's promise. Rejection, rebellion from God's promise. Are we together now? So now you are going to find out what the old covenant is. The old covenant is what God allowed and tolerated with Israel after they rejected the promise. So the new covenant is older than the old covenant. Everything that happened, like having the Levitical priesthood, that is old covenant. God's covenant with Israel was that they be kings and priests, according to you. That's what I'll be preaching, preaching tonight. According to Exodus 19, verse 5, they were supposed to be king and priests, but they refused that. Now God in Exodus chapter 28, 29, he's got to tolerate and instruct that they have a Levitical priesthood, which is the, the priesthood that takes tithes. That is not God's will. It comes out of rebellion. And Jesus did not fulfill the Levitical priesthood. He fulfilled the priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek, king priest. How can he fulfill that he never ordained? Levitical priesthood is rebellion. So that rebellion, that which came into being after that rejection is what is called what? Old covenant. So old covenant came after the new covenant. Are we together? Hallelujah. So new covenant means to renew a promise, to renew a pledge, to renew a commitment, to restate the same promise. God is renewing and restating a commitment which he made in Genesis. Although Israel had rejected it. New covenant is God giving the same promise which he gave from the beginning regardless of people's unbelief and rebellion. New covenant is God's faithfulness. New covenant is God renewing and restating his promise from Genesis to Malachi. So if we go from Genesis to Malachi, if I had time, 
I'll show you many times God repeats the same covenant in many different ways. Now, that's how we can understand the long suffering of God from there, from the Old Testament, what you call the Old Testament. So the concept of new creation comes from new covenant. The new creation is the fulfillment of the new covenant, which means to the new creation, there is no new covenant. The fulfillment of the new covenant, the receiving of the spirit produces the new creation. The new creation is a union of God and man, the spirit of God in a man. That's a new creation. So when the new creation have received the promise, there is no more promise to the new creation. There is no more new covenant to the new creation. So the new creation is not under any covenant. The new creation believed the, the, the promise and they received the spirit and they became the new creation. And what do they do now? The new covenant is still new to the world. So the new creation is tasked with a, a ministry to take a covenant. We said it's a promise. To take the promise to the world. The promise is not available to you. It's fulfilled in you. But it's still available for the world. We have not received it. Praise the Lord. Now show me what I, how many minutes I have to go. Praise the Lord. So when Jesus says, when he sits on the, on the last, what we call the last supper, he says, this is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. What is he saying? He's introducing anything new. Now you are clever. He's saying that that which Jeremiah was talking about, that which Moses was talking about, that which we, from the beginning is still available. But now it's going to be made available to you through my death, burial, and resurrection. Amen. So you're not under New Covenant. You're not under New Testament. The New Testament is fulfilled in you. It's accomplished with you. And you are to minister the New Testament to the world. We are ministers of the New Testament. Are we? So Jesus is reading from Deuteronomy. Jesus is reading from, from um, Jeremiah. All the words of Jesus that he spoke in the four Gospels, they are not innovations. They come from between Genesis to Malachi. All of them. Paul makes it very clear in Titus 1 verse 2. He says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So that's the promise. The promise was eternal life. What is eternal life? Eternal life is the spirit of God in you. When it is the spirit of God, we don't say God has got eternal life. We know God is eternal. We only say eternal life when that spirit is received in a man because we knew men to be temperate. So eternal life is the spirit of God in a man. So that was the promise from the beginning. Hallelujah. God has never promised anyone punishment. God promised salvation from the bondage and destruction of sin. So the deliverance from Egypt was not due to a response to prayer, but it was God's faithfulness to his covenant or promise, which is now clearly seen and accomplished in our salvation today. Through us, God takes the same new covenant or promise to the world until the glory of the Lord, which is the spirit, covers the whole earth. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Galatians 3 verse 28 to 29. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. Can you see the Jews? Slave or free, male or female, for you are all in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are heirs and, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So whatever was promised to Abraham, you are all possessors of it. You have it now. Do you have Canaan? Do you have Canaan, the land of Canaan? What do you have? So the land of Canaan was not the promise. The land of Canaan was not the promise. What was the promise? Praise the Lord. Let's go quickly. Pastor, open for me, please. Um, Galatians 3, so that I don't flip, flip. Times fast bent. All right, I have it. Galatians 3.14. Galatians 3.14. We want to see now that the, the promise to Abraham was not lent. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles 
with the same, the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So land was a possible for spirit. When we say the blood of Jesus, how many of you are washed in the blood of Jesus? Did it stain your clothes? Where did you get the blood of Jesus? Is it not dry? The blood of Jesus doesn't dry. Where did you get it? When he was crucified on the cross, didn't the blood go into the sand and dry in the sand there? Where did he pick it up? The blood of Jesus is a parable for the spirit of Christ. The thing that cleansed you is the spirit. So that nonsense of bleed the blood, bleed the blood is weirdness. It's weirdness. To start off with, if you were in that time, you were not allowed. It was a special priest who did that. If you went into the Holy of Holies to bleed the blood, you would die. So who gave you the honor to do the blood now? It's rather messy. It's rather messy. It's messy to deal with the blood. It's clean to deal with the spirit. So the blood of Jesus is the spirit of Christ. Hallelujah. So what is the old covenant? Whatever God allowed and tolerated, including the Levitical priesthood and all the laws that, that, came, that came with it, after they rejected the promise, is the old covenant. What is the new covenant? The same promise from Genesis. The same promise that you have received. And with that covenant comes ministry. Through you are blessed the nations of the earth. Rise up, gentlemen. Stand up and be counted. In this glorious ministry of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, there is no better, better job. Amen. There is no better honor. There is nothing. You try it. You try it. You see how, how satisfied you are. How, how you, 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 you become less selfish. A lot of you, many times you are, hey, do I have time to drive? go the spirit here? But uh, let's, let's leave it. The reason why a lot of people have problems is because you think you are God. But whenever any, whatever any mistake happens, just know it's a mistake. Let go. Don't say, you cannot do that to me. Who are you? Are you, are you God? <laughs> are you God? Praise the Lord. Anyway, I, will, I will stop here. But one day we must come here and do Holy Ghost stuff. <laughs> yeah? Because the thing is, after we teach each other, we must go into, into the reality of what we have. There must be proof that we have the Spirit. We must prove it. We are not just all talk. Hallelujah. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.